What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this edition of the Basement Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Zane Banji, and with me is Adam Muhammad. And uh, returning for his second episode um, is Sean Panjwani. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about a few a few new things that just happened in, in the NHL. Uh, more specifically, the, the continuing of the coaching carousel. And uh, we'll be talking about some hot and cold teams. And we're going to speculate on where Taylor Hall is going to be going. So before we get started, let's go around the table and check in on the boys. Sean, what's up with you, man? How was your exam today? Uh, it was uh, it was on Thursday, boys. But oh. shukra alhamdulillah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Doesn't what actually I- give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, not at all. Just fucking just for the sake of it. Trying to seem like a nice guy on the podcast. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> uh, buddy, hey, careful there. We don't want you to lose your consciousness again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good one, good one, good one, good one. Yeah, well, how was your exam, man? Uh, shukra alhamdulillah, you know. Uh, we'll see you next week when I get the results back. Jeez, man, that's good. That's good to hear. Adam, what's up with you, man? Uh, nothing. Same shit, different day. You know, working. My favorite line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love asking you, like, working hard or hardly working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like a dad thing to say. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, yeah, I started like meeting my coworkers, so that's nice. Hadn't met them before, so. Oh, good. Any any special characters that like you? That are kind of funny or just kind of like stick out. Nah, nah they're all pretty. Are normal. you asking if he works in the office? Like, what, what? What? It's a very interesting question to ask. So I feel like each podcast we learn something new about Adam's job. Yeah, it's an interesting. Segment. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what do OTs do? That that's like a whole story. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, basically uh, help people. Um, that um, he's actually explaining now, Sean. <laughs> Man, don't you know? After the way Bonji asked me the exam question, he doesn't actually give a shit. Yeah, he it. doesn't actually care. <laughs> yeah. uh, if someone has something uh, that is um, like halting their ability to like um, do the meaningful activities in their life, then an OT will help you get better at doing those meaningful activities. So uh, that's a very vague. It's a very what, what do you, well. That's what do you the thing. Mean by well, that just came out of the textbook. Of so it's so huh? broad that like you kind of have to get like so for um for one of my placements for example um like that was in stroke uh, if someone had a stroke then uh, the OT would mainly be looking after their cognition so their thinking and uh, their upper extremity function so like how their hands and arms are moving um, and like the tasks you use your hands and arms to do and the tasks that you use your brain to do, we practice doing those a bunch of times. So you get better at that after a stroke because your ability to do those things like bathing and eating and um, remembering to throw out the garbage or remembering how to navigate yourself in your neighborhood are things that might be impaired after your stroke. So um the ot's help with that in the stroke context and that's just like in stroke but there's so many different areas that ot's work in so it's hard to give like uh like it's easiest to just give like a vague example of what we do because there's so many like niches that they work in and each one has like uh like a different ot role interesting yeah but yeah so for my job i'm mainly on the road um so i go to like the clients houses um and assess them and then make the reports on my appointments at clients houses we're in yeah 
So, like, you don't really see too many coworkers or anything like that. It's mainly just you and the client. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's so nice to proper to get a proper explanation. You know. Although I very much like, like uh, two minutes. Yeah. Well, it'll be uh, immortalized forever once this gets uh, published. Um, <laughs> But Before it's every nice. podcast, he comes and listens to the first five minutes of this one so he can remember what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some people that just listen to hear what Adam's up to yeah. and like what, what, what occupational therapists actually yeah. do. Well, so yeah, like I get prospective to... university students will be listening to this to actually figure out what OTs do. Yeah, well, I get to travel all around uh, Lower Mainland in BC. Like, I, get, I, went to, um, I went to Chilliwack the other day. I got to uh, try the local cuisine there. Uh, <laughs> I went to uh, eh? oh yeah Maple Ridge very nice coffee uh, cafes there uh, shout out to Kanaka Creek Coffee very good very good oh, that, are, are you getting place. sponsored to say that there buddy oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, is uh, that an ad read is that an ad read that's an ad read that's our <laughs> yeah, first that's, uh, that's a, we, we just popped our ad read cherry oh baby Damn. Now, do we get any benefits from it, or is it no, just no, no, just Mushkalasan. <laughs> <laughs> this is such an Ismaili podcast. <laughs> All right, boys, let's uh, let's get back on track here and talk about some NHL news here. Um, I, I see you guys don't care about what I'm doing, so it's all good, um, <laughs> buddy. Oh, you're, you know, you're at uh, you're at McGill, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm still still doing my master's here. I just finished my semester. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking. Adam. Yeah, and then you uh, do you like uh, you teach? Yeah, I'm actually. I got my placement for next semester. Actually, I'm going to be doing my uh, my uh, my practicum, and I, I'm going to be teaching oh. right at McGill, pretty much. Okay, but right. uh, but we have some interviews coming up. I I've heard. Yeah. So next week or, or next podcast that we'll be having. Uh, one of my good buddies, Zam Kareem, who's actually got some experience in the media industry. He's got his own podcast uh, with a couple of his buddies uh, back in Vancouver, which is more of like a Canucks uh, from a Canucks perspective. Um, and so we're hoping, and we're also hoping to get some uh, McGill University hockey players uh, on the podcast here eventually. So uh, really encourage you guys to stay tuned and uh, and keep up to date with what's happening on the Basement Hockey Podcast. Uh, so with that, let's get into this uh, into this coaching carousel. Uh, that's been going on for the past month or so in the NHL. And um, just to give our listeners a bit of a brief, um, recently what's happened is that a bunch of NHL coaches have been called out uh, for some misconduct or some inappropriate behavior uh, that, that has been going on over the past, I guess, few years and maybe in, over the past decade in Bill Peters' case. Um, and so last podcast, we talked about Bill Peters and Mike Babcock and Mark, Mark Crawford and, and what happened in their instances. But this week, the NHL got together at his board of governors meeting and and, create, and Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, introduced a four-point plan uh, in which he pretty much wanted to crack down on, on a bunch of NHL teams saying, you know, we don't want any more surprises um, and we don't want any of this happening anymore. So teams will face a lot of extreme discipline uh, if any teams are caught fighting any coaching behavior or any sort of discrimination. So, uh, but before getting into that, we're going to talk about John Hines, actually, who wasn't really fired for those those main reasons, but we're just going to go in chronological order here since he was fired first. Uh, Sean, what do you think happened with the Hines situation in, in New Jersey? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's let Adam start first. Oh, no, I, I think, Sean, you got this. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I, I wrote it down here, guys. <laughs> I don't give a shit about New Jersey. <laughs> 
Um, I think we can keep this. I like it. You know, uh, I think I think it was a it was a tough hand he was dealt with. Um, you know, honestly, I, I, think- I don't think like they're they're uh, top. Uh, I, they have some good pieces there. Like they, they were supposed I, to be, think- they were supposed to be a bubble team going into the season, and then they've just been awful. Like I can see why he got fired. Yeah, I I see, but like the thing is, like, what were they basing expectations off of? It's not like last year was outstanding, no. Yeah, like, right. Like like, and their goaltenders have fallen through. They basically have a coach in the net at this point. Yeah, I think right? they were expecting a lot out of Hughes, and they didn't get that. Like yeah. they were expecting him to be that franchise player, um, and. He hasn't been that, which, like, fair enough. He's pretty young. Like, he's yeah. – I still need to pack a pack some muscle on um, before he's that um, player that uh, he was drafted to be. But, yeah, the, the team's doing a whole lot of nothing. So. But do you think that the team kind of gave up on him too early, though? Because he didn't really have the best pieces. He had a few – like, on the blue line, he had Vatanen and P.K. Subban, both right-handed shot defensemen that are kind of a little bit – uh, past their primes, I would say. Yeah, um, and they were they were both securing the and kind of supposed to lead the blue line, and nothing really came out of that. And up front, I guess it was just the underperformance of maybe his 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 younger players. So do you think that he was kind of his head went off too early? Or? I don't think so. He's been their coach for since 2015, and they've like so in 2015, 2016, they finished seventh in the Metropolitan. Next season, eighth in the Metropolitan. Next season, fifth in the Metropolitan because Taylor Hall carried them and they lost in the first round. Right. Uh, next season, eighth in the Metropolitan. And then this season, doing shit again and he got fired. So, right. like, it makes sense. He hasn't done anything. So, he hasn't done anything to inspire confidence that uh, he's the one that will turn the ship around. So I yeah I think it makes sense that he got fired. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't done sooner. Yeah, and like also the other thing is this is a very young team. You need to bring a coach in who will kind of mold it, right? Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes. um, Well, young. Like they have some younger guys. I think just yeah, yeah. Right, like Sammy Vatman's all right. Severson's okay. Right, Will Butcher's there. Like, it's it's not a bad team. It's just like you can hold him somewhat accountable. But there are coaches like you saw how Mike Babcock played up his team, right? Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine Ray Shiro gets a decent haul for Hall. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice one, nice one. <laughs> yeah. So moving on back to the. Uh... The misconduct, the NHL, or the issue that's happening in the NHL. Um, the, one of the more surprising, or I guess, uh, I guess you could say, actual surprising firings was was Jim Montgomery of the Dallas Stars. Um, he, he was recently let go by the by the Stars, and Jim Nill kind of came out saying that it was more of a more of a personal misconduct. Yeah. So with with Monty, like I'm I'm so curious what happened. Because they've said it wasn't like a legal thing. They've said um, like there's no investigation or anything like that. Um, they said, uh, did they? I think they said that there's no 
Well, I guess if it was sexual or something like that, then there would be like an investigation. But well, I don't. I there was nothing illegal. You're right, but I think it was more personal. I think it was more personal habits. And, and I think it I was alcohol there, abuse, like, or it could have been gambling too. I think he may have been gambling on on like on on a team or or on other teams in in the league too. Well, that's uh, that's isn't that illegal? Well, I don't think it's necessarily illegal, but I'm I'm not sure. I, this is just speculation, right? We don't really know. I'm I'm curious to know as well too. But, okay. Um, let's make a slap bet. If it's alcohol, <laughs> then I'll I the win. If it's alcohol, I win. And it's gambling, you win. Okay. All Sounds right, good. deal. How many slaps? Is it one for one? What are we doing here? Uh, let's say it's, it's one for one. It's one for one. One for one. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay with one for Just one. like Taylor Hall. What a curve. What a Uh, um, but like, how do you how do you guys think the stars will respond to this? Um, Their team is also like, aren't they kind of doing? They've been doing well this season. They've been doing well, but I don't think uh, Rick Bonus isn't. I don't think he's uh, the guy that'll steer them to a cup. Like, and they've Jim Nell already said that they're that he's going to be the coach for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if that inspires a ton of confidence. Um, I don't know. I, I think that this was going to be like a big season for them and the coach. I don't know. This season I've noticed a lot, like the effect that coaches can have on a team more than other seasons, because I guess there've been so many firings uh, mid season. So it kind of like shows up a bit more how teams change under different coaches. But I, yeah, I just don't think, I think they were playing really well under Monty and they, they all really liked playing for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this might uh, affect their season negatively. Well, I feel like they got off to a bit of a, a slower start. And once they started to gain some steam after Sagan and Ben got called out again, um, I think they, they kind of took off. And now that Montgomery's gone, I'm not really sure where the team goes from there. But what I've noticed with, with a bunch of other teams who had fired coaches midseason and, and associates or assistants took over, you find that, like, the teams actually – tend to do a lot better because they're playing for a guy that's more relatable to them because they were an assistant coach and usually the assistant coaches can be the nicer guys right they can be like you know oh hey what'd you get what'd you get up to last night yeah instead of coming down hard so i think that players feel a lot more comfortable when when they're playing for guys who who they can relate to and who actually aren't always trying to play bad cop right i think Um, the the assistant coaches stop being a nice guy though when they get that head coaching position of course, but then you have to also remember that they have that previous relationship and those previous kind of comfort zones with with those coaches that's that they true. know they have yeah. that are there, and so that probably makes a difference in in their performance and 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 and, and, and mental state as well too. Hey, don't yeah. you think, Sean? Yeah, I I, I think uh, it's going to be like you said, interesting to see where the stars go. Um, they were on a good path. Um, it's like if the I, I think if the assistant coach kind of keeps the as Mike Babcock like to say, the rudder straight. Um, I think they'll be okay. I think, yeah. Honestly, like I'm, I'm looking online to see, you know, what kind of rumors are out there. Some of this stuff is hilarious. Like people's like theories are run, running all over the place. Like one guy's like uh, sources are telling me that Jim Montgomery had purchased a Peloton for his wife over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's another one? Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, 
he pooped in the locker room. Uh, what's another? Uh, oh, here's a good one. I've gone on three different message boards trying to find out why Jim Montgomery was fired by the Stars today, and the best conclusion I could give you is that Dallas, as a city, actually fired him instead of Jason Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that. One. <laughs> so you know, it's it's. I think it'll come out with time. I think in, the, in probably during the off season, we'll get a better sense of what happened. Because the other yeah. thing, is, like especially in cases like this, does the guy get another coaching gig? Right? Like if it wasn't something too wild. You'll so, come back. so they were talking about this on um, Spin Chicklets the other day, and uh, apparently um, Biz Nasty knows what he did, and apparently quite a few people in the hog in like I guess inner hockey circles know what he did, and they asked like he wouldn't say what he did, but then Ra was like, "Do you knowing what he did? Do you think he'll get another job again?" And Biz was like, "Yeah, hundred percent." Yeah, so you know, it's like a lot it's, of... it's so like what could it be? <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm saying, right? Like it's like it's because if it's something like gambling or alcohol, they'll put him in a rehab program and then he'll be good to go. Yeah, right. But if it's something like a little more wild, I think it's got to be one of those gambling or yeah. alcohol. Like I, I believe it. Yeah. All right. Next well, up, we got uh, Peter DeBoer. Yeah, no, so DeBoer was fired just the next day um, from the, by the San Jose Sharks. And, but when his firing came out, um, the tweets that, that, were, that were recording it had to specify that it was for hockey reasons. Yeah, that's the world just, we live in now. Yeah, just given the climate that the NHL is experiencing right now, I guess, um, I guess the Sharks wanted to make it clear that Pete DeBoer did nothing wrong, um, you know, uh, personally. But I guess yeah. it was just... It comes, you know. There's such high expectations in San Jose every year, and yeah. you know, as much as you want. But once they, after making the playoffs in as many consecutive years as they have, and with no results to show for, it's it's a little disappointing. And what do you guys think that? Where do you think San Jose goes from here? Do you guys think that DeBoer deserved it? Was it too early? Was was the timing right? So I think this is more on Doug Wilson than anyone because. Um, like their bottoms, like last year, they were really good, um, and then they had a lot of roster turnover in the off season, and this season, their bottom six is really bad, and Vlasic's kind of dropped off, Dylan's dropped off, so you only got uh, Burns and Carlson as your really competent demon, so. Um, DeBoer, like, I feel like he wasn't given much to um, to to deal with. Like, I, I feel like last season his team was a lot more solid than it was now, and like, I don't know. I'm I'm like surprised by a lot of Wilson's moves because like he knew what his team was, and then he also traded his first round pick in the upcoming draft. So, um, it's not a good situation right now in San Jose, and I don't think it's going to get better. Yeah, I think another thing, like, Carlson had a rough start to the season. Um, I think bringing Patrick Marlowe in gave him a little bit of a boost. But that team, like you said, they're just underperforming. And it's weird. Like, from the looks of it, they don't have a bad team. Like, it, it's a team that should be, you know, pushing for the most part for somewhere top in the division. But, oh, I disagree. Really? Yeah, I, I don't like their team. 
I don't know. Well, I like, think I'm just gonna interject here a little bit though, but I I think the middle ground is I think it's the culture in San Jose. I think they have a a, a mediocre team, but I just think that for years and years there's been a certain culture that San Jose has developed and I feel like the new guys that they've brought in don't really mesh with the guys like Thornton like the guys like Burns um you know who are these who are the new guys who are are purebred sharks guys like Evander Kane guys like Eric Carlson I think Brent Burns slowly evolved into like one of those classic sharks um you know you guys got you you have a homegrown talent like kevin lebank that you have for like uh, one million a year which is insane (laughs) but the loss of donskoy the loss of uh of nyquist i think those depth moves or those 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 depth subtractions made a big difference too just like you said adam but i think sean what the big difference is is i think they're not as good as we think they're gonna be because of the change in culture that's happened. And just the team, I don't think, is meshing right now. And I think Pete DeBoer lost the room. Yeah. When guys yeah. like Evander Kane have started, he's kind of gained some more experience as a shark. And he's tried to take over the locker room to an extent too, right? So there's probably some butting of heads. heads yeah. There. But, like, you even, like, this, this is a team, like, where your top six, like, your top four defensemen are Dylan, Burns, Vlasic, and Carlson. That's a good top four. Like I don't know anymore. Oh yeah, I Dylan has dropped off a lot this year. Yeah, but like if you're as long like if you can put him in because Brent Burns they also use very much in the offensive zone, right? Like he's like both him and Carlson aren't exactly the greatest defensive defensemen, right? Yeah. But Vlasic has good like defensive numbers. Like it just depends on usage, and maybe that's. Like you said, like he lost the room, but also his usage of players probably hurt him a little bit too. And that team, also, you're right in a sense that like San Jose's had a culture of like I don't want to say no nonsense, but it's a very professional kind of conduct. Like you don't hear a lot of scandals coming out of there. It's not a lot of like you know focus on individual players. This season, you've like Kane, for example, had the controversy about what was it, like a month ago. Uh, about um, the ref being, like, too physical with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You had, like, all the kind of hoopla around Patrick Marlowe coming back. I think mm. you may be right. They might just be a little distracted, too. Yeah. And just to, like, give some back, like, Brandon Dillon right now. So, um, Corsica, um, they're a uh, really good hockey stat site. They give, like, um, uh, like a this – you need more context than this, but just to give like uh, an idea of how a player is doing, they give like them a rating that takes into account a mm-hmm. bunch of different stats. Um, and they have Brennan Dillon as their, I believe their 12th worst defender in the league right now in the whole league. Bloody hell. Um, and he's, so he's surrounded by, to give you an idea, Robert Hag, Andy Green, Brandon Davidson, and Brandon Manning. That's funny, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I and just another thing, I think that's maybe hurting the Sharks too is their goaltending. Like they can't get any stops back there. Martin Jones, his save percentage this year is is point eight eight eight. Yeah, which is I mean, like it's just which is not what you expected out of a guy who backed up Jonathan Quick yeah. and was really pushing Quick for for a job there, and who kind of bounced around and ended up in San Jose. And we had all these high expectations for him and. I had high expectations for him too. I picked up, I picked him up in my pool, and he he crapped the bed for me. <laughs> but 
I think that's another big reason why they're not doing so well. And maybe that's contributing to, and maybe that's hurting uh, Brendan Dillon's numbers as well, too. There's also, I feel like just in general, the goalies have been, like, a lot of the goalies that you expected to do well have been having rough seasons, like um, Matt Murray out in Pittsburgh. Bassy. Uh, Pecorino. Even Carey Price hasn't been having yes. a typical Carey Price season. That's so, what like, Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, Anderson, for the first little while, was having a rough time. Um, it's it's interesting. Like, I'd love to f- kind of see some, like, research into why it's been kind of a rough season. Yeah, and I've been surprised. Uh, like, Jacob Markstrom's been really solid for Vancouver. Like, there have been some, some teams that, like, their goalies have had a bit of a resurgence. Like, yeah, like Darcy Kemper is having an yeah, unreal Darcy year. Yeah, Darcy Kemper's year. another Thomas good Rice. one. Yeah, um, Philip Gubauer. There's like a turnover. There's a turnover of goalies that are just happening right now in the NHL. I wonder if it has to do with just like the, an evolution of the position itself. I think because like you see these starters are playing less, and I guess less is more for goalies now too, right? Which is why we're seeing some of the backups do a lot better than the starters because they're given more ice time and because teams are willing to. Or, or giving them longer leashes to, to succeed. Oh, that's a big trend, yeah. Like, um, yeah. more 1A, 1B goalies the pl- than... The platoon yeah. systems, yeah. Like, what's happening in Edmonton. Yeah, because, like, yeah. A, it's it's a, it's a position where the goalies, like, goalies get injured a lot because of the nature of their position. So you need to have, like, a competent backup. And I feel like that was getting really um, undervalued in previous seasons. But now it's coming to the forefront a bit more. And for teams like like Toronto, like Sean, I'd be curious to hear what you think about this. Like, you guys lack a backup goaltender, and you guys have been lacking one for the past. Well, two years, since uh, Mick uh, McElhaney. yeah, which was last since year. Ma- yeah, since since McElhaney left, and so, do you think that Frederick Anderson, with the amount of games he's playing, do you think that hinders his, you know, his effectiveness in the playoffs if, it, if the Leafs make? So I, I think that's been there's been a lot about that last couple of years in terms of his workload. I think he was he's been around like sixty six games for the last couple of years. It just it it depends what you buy into. I I get like I think you need you definitely need a capable backup for sure because like he's not going to play eighty two games like that's not possible. So you know no matter what the backup's going to play at least ten to fifteen games right. Um, on the low end. So you need a guy who can come and get you points. Um, now, in terms of do I think they're capable of playing 65, 66 games? I think so. But I'm also not a goalie. I haven't been a goalie. So, you know, these guys are professional athletes. This is their job. Um, you know, they, they're full-time training for this position, right? So, like, to me, I think they should be able to do it. Like, I think if you just take out back-to-backs, I think they should easily be able to go 65 games, and it shouldn't affect them going into the playoffs. But but in terms of in terms of matchups in the playoffs, like, let's say let's say Toronto draws Boston again, you know, just for yeah. shits, right? They're going, you know, Anderson's going head-to-head with Tuka Rask, likely. But Tuka Rask has played half the season, and he's definitely got more rest going into the season into the playoffs and he's probably his body's probably in a little bit better condition than anderson's and like do you, how do you think toronto matches up in the, in that in that goaltending kind of tandem situation yeah i think you like it, it's a fair point um but i also think like having too much rest isn't always a good thing too right the goalies come out a little 
um, a little bit rustier. Um, I, I think it just depends on who gets hot at what time. I, I think especially when it comes to goaltending, I think that's huge. And also, people talk about workload, right? But if you're taking, let's say, 40 shots a game and they're all from the blue line, is that really a workload? It's like the quality of chances, right? Like, Boston is a great defensive team. So even if Tuca was in Anderson's range right now, he's only, right now Tuca's played 20 games, Anderson's played 26 I don't think it would make that much of a difference. Anderson, on the other hand, his workload's a lot more. So I think we would see a greater effect because defensively, we're trash. We're about as good as a minor peewee team. Like, it's brutal. So I, I think that plays into it. But you, we've seen past years where goalies have played 66 games and they've taken their teams to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, I'm pretty sure Cord Crawford did it a couple of years ago. Uh, I think, I mean, I kind of disagree with you there about Corey Crawford. I've, not, I've never been really his biggest fan, just because I think he's had such good defense in front of him, too, for the majority of his career. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting time for goalies that we have right now. Hey? So, yeah. Um, moving on into the next uh, next topic that we're going to talk about. We talked about this a little bit last last podcast, but I think things are starting to heat up on the Taylor Hall trade front. I think today... Uh, a couple tweets came out saying that the Florida Panthers, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Colorado Avalanche were three teams that were interested, uh, that were talking to the Devils on Taylor Hall. And it was it's kind of funny. Uh, Hall is just coming off a game where he was scratched, and everyone thought that the deal was in, was in place. But he's kind of going down the, the – New Jersey's playing these teams that, that are interested in Hall too right now. So it'll be interesting to see where Hall goes eventually. But – Adam, you know, who do you think Hall ultimately goes to? Also, he point? scratched tonight as well. Yeah, that just came out. And oh. Uh, oh. and an hour ago, um, there was a tweet um, that hearing from Luca Pagnotta. So hearing Taylor Hall deal maybe soon uh, to completion, Coyotes are the lead dogs in the race. So I guess by the time we publish it, this will probably be uh, concluded. Um, right. But... Yeah, I think. Um, oh, and also, people were going crazy, but apparently, Taylor Hall's girlfriend was having like uh, a goodbye <laughs> <I saw> party, <laughs> <laughs> or like the the people on like the the wives on on New Jersey were throwing her a goodbye party. So, oh no, um, yeah, yeah. But I think I think the Yotes are the best fit. Um, I think um, they have. Um, like a need for that bona fide star on uh, on their up front, and Kessel hasn't been it, and Derek Stepan hasn't been it, um, and like I think they have the, I think they have the the pieces to get it done. Like um, I think any deal like this has to have a conditional first, like condition being that he resigns with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, maybe like a second. Uh, and then uh, I think New Jersey really needs defense and goalie prospects coming back. Like I think New Jersey wants a futures deal more than uh, more than not. Um, yeah. And they're pretty set at, at center because they have uh, Hughes and Heischer in their top six, and then Pavel Zaka is uh, pretty solid three C. So, and they're not going to be trading for fourth line center in this deal. So, um, I think the focus should be on defense and goaltending. And Phoenix has some 
solid prospects in Kevin Ball and Aiden Hill that uh, I guess they're dealing from a position of strength there um, that I think would address that. So I think Ball, Hill, and a conditional first, in my opinion, should get the do- should get the job done. You heard uh, it here first, guys. Yeah, yeah the yeah. insider. If if, <laughs> if the Coyotes were to make the, I think that's a fair deal on both sides. But that's interesting. You're saying the Coyotes when the Abs are quite involved, and you being a huge Abs fan, do you think that they'd give up Franchus? Frank? Uh, yeah. Um, to kind of back. To, to like, kind this of is like we were just talking about. Like the Abs have like a really good situation right now with one A, one B goalies, and Franchus has been like playing amazing. Um, so like, I guess if you can get Taylor Hall in a deal like that, then you do it. But it's like, like part of me wants to be like, if it, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, um, like according to, yeah, but how good would Colorado look with like just McKinnon and Hall on one line and Landis Gog and Ranton in on the other? I know. Like talk about, talk about duos. Like, doesn't that just make you like, or you could even, you could like, even like load up McKinnon, Ranton and then put Kadri with Hall and let him just run and rogue because I believe they yeah. did the I think they were juniors together right yeah I think yeah um I I think you have to put Ranton and McKinnon together yeah um and then put uh I think you maybe bring Hall up and then or I don't know there's a lot of maneuvering you can do with that um but I don't know. I just I don't think it'll be worth it in the long run for Colorado. Um, I mean, Colorado has the pieces though. Like you got Connor Timmins, you got Bowen Byram. If you're willing to part with those with those defensive prospects, you got you know Frank Kuz. So if they're, if they're willing to part with him too, right? The now. thing is, like they have you need when you're like Colorado's cup window is just opening. Like this is the first year of their window, essentially, and. Um, once those contracts start piling up, like you need those players on ELCs to kind of offset those big contracts. And if you're offloading those ELC players, then you're going to be in a cap nightmare situation. What, whereas if you still have those ELC players, your um, potential for a cup might be a bit smaller because you don't have Hall, but your cup window lasts that much longer. And being one of those cup contenders it's just a crapshoot once you're there. So in my opinion, you should just make that last as long as possible because once you're in the playoffs and you're a solid team, um, then anything can happen. I think like for Colorado, I I don't like the way their players, like I guess the tone McKinnon has set where he's like, you know what, I'll take less money. If everyone else kind of joins in that, I definitely think and Hall buys in as well. I think if you can get them at a cheaper AV, then, then, you know, it doesn't, there's no such thing as too much offense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if it, and like you bring in the ELC to kind of keep filtering through the bottom six mm-hmm. and you can move guys around as they decline, like Kadri having a good season, but for all you know, next season he craters, right? You free up yeah. space through that. But, you know, definitely one team, I think, like I, I got to say Coyotes, I think. They're looking like that team looks real good, and you add in someone like uh, Taylor Hall, I, I definitely like see where 
Zayn's coming from. I think it just pushes them one more. Like defensively, right now they have Ekman, Larson, Churchin, um, Goligoski, and you have Nick Jalmerson and Jason Demers injured. Those two guys come back into the lineup. That's a solid back end. And then their bottom six is so good too. <laughs> like, yeah. like a lot of like a lot of teams like just neglect that. And I think it's it like Jake has done a really good job um building the team from the ground up. And like 100%. Yeah, like that bottom six, like their fourth line is Michael Grabner, Brad Richardson, and Connor Garland. Like that's yeah. and so your third line's so Soderberg, Kessel, and Kraus. Like yeah. that's a really good bottom six. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think that Hall fits their style of play because I've seen the Coyotes play a couple times this season, and and they play a very different type of game that Hall plays. I think Hall plays more like a run and gun game, and he's able to carry the offense with his speed, um, and he doesn't really commit to defense as much. And I feel like I don't know if he'll if he'll buy in. I think Phil Castle's having trouble buying into that into the mindset that Talk is kind of preaching right now, yeah. where it's you know, it's it's pretty much choke your. T- Choke your opponents until they can't breathe. Then step on their throat when they, when it hurts and just win one nothing. Just like LA used to play, just like those other like, older teams used to play. And I'm not sure if Hall fits that style of play. And I, for to me, I mean, I understand why Arizona is kind of in the in the hunt for this big name. Like they need it. They need it for their team. They need it for the market. You know, they need to grow the game out there. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I just don't know if he'll if he'll fit in there. And I don't see him resigning there. To be honest, though, because. It's. I don't think they play a solid game. Like, but think about it. Says, let's say, like, he does come in, and let's say you put him on the third line, replace Kraus with Hall, and let that line of Soderberg, Kessel, and Hall just run and gun and run rogue shed over all the third lines in the NHL. Like, think about how monstrous that could be, and let your top two lines be your like a little bit more gritty, so get you points kind of style. I'd be okay with that. But then you'd have to minimize the playing time. You'd have to minimize Hall and Kessel's playing time then too. And I don't know if you'd be willing to do that with them on the third line. I think if you right? roll so lines, put them on the power play too. Yeah, power play. Yeah, true. Right? Like you could do it like a Vetchkin Sauer. He's playing like six minutes on the power play a game alone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see though. Like I'm also curious to see what kind of return he gets. But also like for a guy that's... MVP caliber and everything, he's been dealt such a shit hand over his career. Like, he always ends up in the worst situations. Seems like a real stand up <laughs> guy, too. Like, <laughs> Bicharo. He's got it's it's the uh, it's the first overall curse that he's that he carries with him. You know, everywhere he goes, they pick first overall. Uh, maybe that's why the Coyotes that's are doing it. They're trying to get another yeah. first overall. What's they need Lafreniere? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, I think that's enough for Halsey. Um, how about we go into this? This what happened with Tim Thomas recently, Sean? You want to talk on that real quick? Yeah. So, you know, I like no one. I don't think a lot of people know the full story, and I'm just gonna like kind of talk about what I've read and what I know. Is but I remember hearing a couple of years ago that he just kind of disappeared off the face of like the NHL, like just kind of. No communications with anybody, not around a hockey rink. And a lot of people were kind of like, he's just holed up in a ranch somewhere in Colorado. Because he had a pretty uh, weird rep to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after what happened with uh, the White House visit yeah. in 2012. 
Um, he was just, and you know what? It, it was interesting because he's a very Boston personality kind of guy. Like he's a very Bruins kind of personality. Um, but he came out uh, a couple of days ago for the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony. He was inducted there, and um, he kind of got into what happened with him. And uh, I'm going to quote the athletic here, but. So he went in for a SEER scan on his brain, which is an analysis people receive when they're dealing with symptoms of traumatic brain injury. The results were two-thirds of his brain were getting less than 5% blood flow, and the other third was averaging 50%. Jeez. Like, that is crazy. Um, and he's like, Listen, like I sh- he shut off everybody. He didn't call his dad for a couple of years, didn't go near a rink. And this is a former Stanley Cup and Olympic medal winner, right? So it's going to be interesting, I think, in a greater picture to see a lot of the stuff around, you know, uh, brain injuries, concussions, and the effect they have. Because goalies are taking pucks off the head so much. And these aren't like soft kid shots. Like, imagine taking a Zdeno Chara clapper off the head. Yeah, I'm not so, waking yeah. up 100%. Right, like, so I I think it's gonna spark a lot of conversation, and you just feel for a guy that you know had a pretty decent career, bloomed on the late side, but was a good goalie for the most part. And I think that like what's coming to fruition more, especially in this modern age of, um, with mental health being such a an important thing to talk about, and just coming to the forefront. Uh, it's interesting to see how like Tim Thomas talks about losing his love for the mm-hmm. game too, and and seeing that segment on Patrick Berglund and how he walked away from his contract a couple years ago when he walked away from Buffalo and went to go play in the SHL and ultimately stopped playing hockey. I think we're gonna start uncovering some some new stories or some new, uh, I guess some new roots in hockey which may be leading to these things and in, in, in the game's tradition and 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 how players are developing and. And how they move yeah. forward. So, and like we've just like a lot of like um, hockey, like a lot of instances in hockey history, it's just like you, you turn a blind eye to when guys show weakness like that. And like case in point, why Theo Fleury is somehow still not in the Hall of Fame, like because of all yeah. this, um, all like I guess his whole autobiography and like the the image he has with um, the people with the power to vote him in. But I just think that's so stupid. And it's good that um, the, this conversation's starting. And uh, yeah, I think it's only positive. It's good the stigma yeah. is ending. I think it's important that the stigma ends. And I think it's good that this coaching thing is happening too, because I think ultimately that's where it stems from too, right? The um, with guys in power, if they're if they're the ones that are disregarding players' emotions, players' feelings, all this kind of stuff, then these things are going to happen and it's got to start somewhere and it's good to see that the coaches are... Um, there's going to be an evolution here. Right? And so, I think that also starts organization yeah. down. I think a lot of organizations and the Leafs have kind of been a leader in this where they prioritize mental health. They have a... It's either a vice president or something of kind of mental health and of checking in on players that they can just go in and talk to. I can't remember the exact title. Um, I'll find it. Yeah, I heard about this. I heard about this. Uh, yeah. Let me just find the title. But like they, it's she's available to all players. It's she doesn't care about the games. 
Um, like she's just there to make sure the entire organization as a whole is doing well. And it'll be interesting to see other teams um, start implementing things like this where that priority is given, which is amazing. Yeah, that's huge. Right. That's huge. Uh, uh, athletes of well-being and uh, performance. That's her title. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think Emerson has that coach, has has, has someone in that position yeah. too. Director, yeah. athlete, well, athlete well-being and performance. <laughs> All right, guys, so shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about some more of the good things that are happening in the game. Um, the hot and cold teams. We'll start with the Calgary Flames, who are currently on a seven-game winning streak after uh, parting ways with Bill Peters, and have seemed to find their mojo. Um, Goudreau took that... Johnny, Johnny Goudreau took that demotion to the third lines of heart, and he's been racking it up in the past few games. Same with Sean Monaghan. What, what are you guys seeing from Calgary? Uh, unfortunately, watch him smoke my team on uh, on, on Tuesday. That's a game we should have won. Um, we're up 2-1 going into the third, and in two minutes, we're down uh, 3-2. Um, that team, I think they've just found their confidence again. I think that was a team that could only underperform for so long. There's a lot of good pieces there. Um, they look dynamic against the Leafs. Part of it was the Leafs shot themselves in the foot as usual because it's the fucking Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that, that team's starting to put the pieces together. And I think, um, I honestly, I think Bill Peters was on the edge anyways. Even if that stuff hadn't come out, I think maybe he lost the room there too and they just need to change in voice. Oh, yeah, 100%. And to me, it's kind of interesting to see Milan Lucic kind of get going now, finally. He's got, I think, three or four goals in the past. Does he really? Yeah, he's he's been... Him and Zach Ronaldo have been playing really well, which is interesting to see these tough guys light the lamp. I think they they really... I think this is another example of an assistant coach coming in and impacting the players' attitudes and just, like, players playing a lot more stress-free. I think Jeff Ward came in and took over the realm and took the reins and just let let the horses go, right? And I think that that really benefited Lucic, Ronaldo, and guys like Sam Bennett. These guys are scoring now, man. Like, it's interesting to see Lucic finally get some goals on the board. <laughs> but yeah, um, another hot team, the Colorado Avalanche. Adam, you must be really enjoying that. Oh, oh, you know it. Um, <laughs> that sounded so oh, yeah. like like he, it looked like he was like a little turned on by that. <laughs> like oh yeah, we're 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 a good team right now. Um, <laughs> we have the uh, the best goal differential in the league. Wow, we're, what a stat! We're eight one and one in our last ten. Okay, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, uh, we're we're almost healthy. You know, we're almost there. We just have uh, Kale McCarr. We're doing this without Kale McCarr uh, and Eric Johnson. So, and we still look really good. And uh, underrated player, Callie Rosen um, oh from the uh, uh, the, the Tyson-Berry-Nazem Kadri deal. He's been pretty solid on our bottom pairing. That's we call that the uh, Mike Babcock trash. That's actually not completely bad. Yeah. <laughs> Did he get playing time in, in Toronto? No, he got demoted to the AHL like four or five games in. 
for some reason, oh, no. there was another defenseman that he kept around. Igor Ozaganov. But you see it, like, you see a player like uh, Justin Hall, who's now our shutdown defenseman with Jake Muzzin. Mike Babcock was awful for giving guys chances. Yeah. How did the guy go from sitting 73 games in the press box last year to playing the top lines in the NHL this year, right? Like, it's just brutal. Yeah, yeah, you can tell a change was due uh, for them. Um, and Ryan Graves, too, that's another big story in Colorado that uh, he's really um, he's really turned it on. And Valerie and Nichushkin, uh Oh, Nichushkin was such a good pickup for you yeah. guys. When you oh, guys my God, him. he's killing it right now. And he he's such a good – It's crazy how much too. speed he has. Like, you'd think he, he, he's so big, like, he can't get that fast. But then, like, you just see him motoring past guys and – it, he's like the perfect third line guy. Like, yeah, like our our whole roster right now is, um, it looks really good. So, uh, th- this is why I don't think we need Hall. But like, I can see how having him would make us even better. But I I think he would put you over the hump. Yeah, and I I'd love to see Colorado do well, being an Oilers fan too. But. Okay, I think we've stroked off Colorado so much in the past two podcasts. Um, I think like a team that really has not gotten any love over the past couple of weeks, or maybe even years, is the New York Islanders, and they just keep trying to they keep finding ways to win too. And I think they play very similar to Arizona, is that they let the team they kind of choke their teams before they kind of they go in for the kill, right? Um, I think Barzal's been playing amazingly so far. Yeah, and Eberle's. Yeah. And it's nice to see Jordan Everly starting to find his starting to find his groove. Right, I think they just won overtime today over Buffalo too, yeah. and Everly scored, yeah. so he's put up points in, in the past few games too. Um, Sean, what do you think about the Islanders? I think they've bought into Barry Trotz's system. I, think I, I was just about to say that. Yeah. I I think this yeah. is hundred percent all Barry Trotz. I think they love him as a coach, and that's I don't think there's anywhere that he's gone that he hasn't been loved as a coach, and he hasn't won. I think his biggest knock was the playoffs. Like, he couldn't win there, and then he got his cup, and then he left. Um, I think that team, uh, on their back end, I think they need another piece or two. Um, I think on their front, they they still need a few pieces. Yeah, like, I think their depth-wise, they're not the greatest. Yeah, like, their bottom six is really good. They're not in it. I'm surprised they're not in it for. Home. Yeah, exactly. Like they probably have one of the best fourth lines, um, like Martin, Zizekas, and Clutterbuck. Um, and and they pay that fourth line a lot, but they don't really use it like a regular fourth line. Um, it's their shutdown line. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. They don't. Yeah, like it's not like your typical fourth line. Like they get a lot more ice time than your generic fourth liners. Uh, and then like, but yeah, I just like in their top. Six, I don't know, just based on daily faceoff, they have Ross Johnston and Michael Dalcall, both of whom are um, Dalcall Del is like a huge bust, and so I think there's room to grow if you're looking at the Isles, which is good for them because they're already doing really well. But you have to think that there's like an element of they have a really high shooting percentage this year, so that they're probably getting a bit lucky in terms of that. So uh, they might regress a bit, um, but definitely like a playoff team that will probably make some noise come playoff time. Yeah, it'll be interesting okay. to see. 
and yeah, like I, I like I still I think the back end still needs some help. Like you got Pelic, Pulak, Taves, Mayfield, Dobson, and then Johnny Boychuk. Yeah, I, 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 I think they need one more piece, and I, I think you're right. I think maybe in the top six, right. uh, having a guy like Taylor Hall in there might just kind of push him over that hump. Yeah, yeah, Taylor Hall would fit. Taylor Hall fits better here than um, in uh, Phoenix, I think. Yeah, I agree. But I just I don't think, I think that the Isles have the assets. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think what the Isles need most is more of like a puck moving defenseman. Like I think Dobson is supposed to be that. Well, he's still he's, he's, he's still he's really still young. young. This is like he's his first young. season. Yeah, he's no, played like yeah. eight games. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know. I just think they need someone who's a little bit more established. Oh and yeah, kind of, yeah, and can quarterback their power play really well too. I think Pollock is Pollock is a good defenseman. Um, he's got a good shot, but defensively he's a bit of a liability. So yeah, I wonder what what defense what, what defensemen are gonna be on the market come come the trade deadline. But they um, should have really sent Dobson to um, Canada. Like I'm looking at his hockey DB right now. He only has ten games played, so. Like they're barely playing him. Even, even Kirby Doc's not going. Hey. Yeah, like they're they're barely they're giving him like eight minutes a game. Like, yeah. I, don't know. I I'm kind of annoyed that Alex Newhook didn't get uh, got cut. That was a surprise. That because he scored in like the games he... too. Like he played really. But then there's always that. Um, like a lot of people talk about the NCAA bias that Hockey Canada has when you choose to go NCAA over um, CHL. Like for some reason, like this, uh, like Kale McCarr was the seventh D man um, last right, year right. for some reason. Yeah, they want they want homegrown guys. I yeah, they kind of. There's a lot of internal politics that I guess we'll never know the truth about, but they're definitely there. Which is crazy to think because you want these kids getting an education and everything, right? So like, why not let the kid go to? Yeah. Well, CHL's like deal is like for every year that you play, you get a free, you get a year of tuition paid for. Yeah, but like really? it's like after school finishes. Yeah, after like, yeah. These guys are in school while playing the game, and it's not like they're going to like a Canadian school. They're going to top level like Boston College. Yeah, Harvard, like one of my buddies was uh, playing on the Giants, and like all he had to do was do like an online course at like a college. <laughs> like once you're past like high school, like if you're in high school, you have to take high school courses. But like once you're out of high school, there's like barely any education requirements for CHL players. Like right. it's ridiculous, but that's a whole other conversation of like uh, minor hockey. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole separate thing. Should they be paid? And who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's flip over to the teams that are doing a little bit more poorly uh, over the past week or so. Um, Detroit, man, they were on a 12 game losing streak and they finally ended that against Winnipeg. The other are we suck. actually going to talk um, about the Detroit Red Wings? Like, the, we're one of the worst teams in the NHL. I hope they break Colorado's record for worst um, post cap era team. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah, I think they've been missing Mantha for sure. They're just so bad. In general, the team sucks. The team sucks, but I think they're missing the punch that Mantha gives them up front. I think they've been missing a few goals per game, and Mantha has definitely been that yeah. for them. He puts on, I think he averages about three or four shots a game, which is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, um, he puts a lot of pucks on net, but just overall, Detroit, I, I think they're definitely in the mix for a lottery pick this year. Um, 
I think Byfield looked really good with them. I think he looked really good um, uh, in Detroit. Sudbury's not too far away. It would it would just make sense as a as a fit for him. But yeah, it's just tough to see Stevie Y go through this after having so much success in Tampa and not winning a cup as their GM. And then he's just he he, he dipped and was like, you know what? Let me just do it here in Detroit now. Let me try again. But start from ground zero. Yeah. Well, like I saw an interesting debate about this. Um, of the bottom four teams, uh, let's say Ottawa, LA, New Jersey, and Detroit, which one do you think is in the best position for their rebuild? Say that again. Mm-hmm. Of the bottom four teams, so Ottawa, LA, uh, New Jersey, and Detroit, which one is the is in the best position for their rebuild? Oh, I think I think New Jersey. Yeah, I yeah. go. With, I, I think New Jersey just because like they're about to get some major assets back for Hall, mm-hmm. and like you got you got the top offensive players out of those those four teams like Hughes and Heisher. I think outrank guys like Pajot, guys okay. like um, Mantha. Yeah, I think Ottawa will be second valuable. though with Brandstrom and the, the, Ottawa has a lot yes. of good pieces because they had a fire sale. Shabbat. Yeah, Shabbat. And then I think Detroit. But, like Hronik's pretty good. Um, Cider, more yeah, cider. Cider. Um, right now. Joe Valeno. Yeah. Fabry. Fabry's been playing solid. Yeah, so that was Blue a great Yeah. Zadina. Uh, and then LA. That that just looks like an awful situation. Like, they're going to be bad for a long time. But LA seems to scrape out some wins against some unexpected teams, man. Yeah. I, I, I think the Kings are going to suck for a while. I think they, they're in denial and they're trying to do a quick rebuild. But mm. they need to they need to go through it properly. And that starts with either having a fire sale where they get rid of guys like Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty, um, or they the find thing, better pieces. And the thing is they can't really get rid of guys like Carter um, yeah. because of the contracts that they're on. Yeah, they'd have to eat a lot of money for that. Yeah, Carter to Foley, like, these guys are on huge contracts. And yeah. Did what Doughty are you going to do? There yeah, but Doughty's still playing well. Like, well, Doughty, you could... Real yeah. mediocre season. Huh? What? I think he's playing quite I well. I think Doughty's all right still. Like, this goes back to the conversation of what do we define yeah. as well, right? Like, like, are we talking points? Because that's not a... Like, yes, a defenseman can contribute, but in terms of, like, other sense, like, where's Corsica? Hold on. Let's open this up. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh... I think I think Doughty has been, like, a staple on their blue line. He's been a great leader for them, too. And I think that, like, he's... Moving forward, I don't think they're ever going to part with him. I think his jersey's going up in the rafters one day. Same with Kopitar. I think those guys, if they're doing a rebuild, Kopitar and Dowdy stay. I think guys like um, Tyler Toffoli, I think you can part with Jonathan Quick. Those guys you got to get yeah. rid of. You can get some value off of them. You could probably send Quick to a team that needs, like, I think, I, I don't think Quick has the greatest contract to go to this team I'm about to say, but I think Quick and Anderson would make a great two, great duo in Toronto. But this they, uh, Toronto has no cap space for it. Unless yeah, they had no. a lot for like, LA. It, like, um, I'd, like, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think I'd love to have him back there. He could be what Ryan Miller's been for a couple of teams now. Like, just a really good, like, professional backup. Right. But we were just too poor. 
But see, I, I think LA, I think LA needs to sell those second second liners, third liners that that have been there for a while. I don't see them parting with Kopitar or Dowdy. Those guys, if they're if they're gonna have a rebuild, it's kind of like the Lundqvist situation. Those are the guys you're gonna stick. Yeah, with. I don't know. Like if you can get anything for them, I'd do it. But yeah, like if you can get something really good for those guys, I like I definitely would do it. What's next? Okay. Um, how about let's talk about some teams that are not currently in the playoffs that we think that ah, might be yes. that might actually make it uh, by the season's end. Yeah. Um. So just looking at the standings here, um, there's a few standouts that are sitting outside the playoff picture, and I think to me the most notable team is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um. I don't understand how they're on the outside looking in right now. They're four, currently, they're about four points out of the second spot in the wild card and one point back of Montreal and the Atlantic. But the Atlantic, I think it's the like upper grabs there after Boston. But to me, I, I, I think it would, be a, it would be an utter shock if Tampa misses out. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to go with uh, the, uh, the Preds. I don't know how the Preds are currently. Um, they're six points out of the wild card right now, um, and like if you look at their like their expected goals and their goals for like they're scoring at a good rate. Like they they should be one of the better teams in the league. Um, and if you look at their lineup, it's pretty solid. Like Forsberg, Johansson, Yarncroak. Taurus, Duchesne, Craig Smith, like, Duchesne. I don't know. It looks like from the outs, and then they always have that solid defense. Um, and once Ekholm comes back, I guess they'll yeah. be that much more solid. But, like, I don't know. I, like, they're usually never this bad like, in the past few seasons. And um, going into the season, they were supposed to be one of the leading contenders for winning the – the central. So um, I think it's just a matter of being really unlucky. And I don't know. Like, I think maybe during the back half of the season, like once they get more healthy and um, more games start going in their direction, that uh, they might sneak in. I'm not sure if it's unlucky, though. I think they've just been getting some really poor goaltending overall. I think Rene has not really been playing that well. And UC Saros has been hung out to dry, and he's not really able to to be that backstop, back backup for them. Yeah, but I don't know. That's yeah. my opinion, uh, Sean. Who do you think? You said Nashville. I think Brennan's been having a crap year, um, but also I like. I think for me, also, I'd say I, I think Nashville because their GM David Poyle is going to do something midseason, like he does every year, and it's going to get that team going. Um, I definitely. Yeah. The sneak in, um, Tampa Bay. Also, their like goal differential, I think, is like way too high for them not to be in the playoffs come end of season. That team's just too well built. Uh, I want to say the Leafs because I love the Leafs, but <laughs> like they haven't been inspiring a lot of hope lately. Um. See, I think it's it's them and the Lightning. If those two teams don't make the playoffs, something's wrong. Like there's there's gotta be a lot of change, I think. Because 
look, those lineups are stacked, right? And if if those teams are not in the postseason, something is utterly wrong because you guys, you got guys like Matthews, Stamkos, Mitch Marner, Andre Vasilevsky. Those guys should be carrying your teams into the playoffs. I'm not sure. Like, I, like, I Sean, think, what do I you think, think it's a bigger, like, bigger news story if Tampa doesn't make it. Um, like, there's no way that team shouldn't be in the playoffs. Like, I, for the least, like, I can see why. Like, they had a really rough start. Their team is built. The Leafs are still so good. They are, but. Yeah, but they have so much money least, tied it's up. It's not in even guys, money. Two, four guys. Like, like, you look you at Tampa's roster. Top to bottom, beautifully built. Like, it is very, very well built. And, like, with Toronto, what is the one question everyone asks? Defense, right? Tampa doesn't have that problem. Tampa has a very good back end. So, if they miss the playoffs, I think that's a bigger deal. Like, I I think Vasilevsky's been a better goalie than Anderson the last couple of years. Um, And that's not to take away from Anderson. I think Anderson's been unreal, right? Like, I, I, I don't think that team should miss. For Toronto... It goes back to the same problem as last year. I, I think they need another defenseman. I, I definitely think they need... I don't think Tyson Berry's cutting it. Um, I think they found a gem in Justin Hall, but can he do it for a full season? They need someone to play with Morgan Riley because Morgan Riley sucks. It's going like, to be tough to resign uh, Barry too. I'm okay with them letting him go. Like, yeah. I like... To me, I'd rather give that because the other thing is CC is also off the books at the end of this year as well, right? So that's another four and a half million. So like the money's, it also depends what happens with the cap, right? Like some people are projecting it to go as high as eighty-five. Some are projecting as low as like maybe a million dollars more, right? Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because if you get rid of Barry's contract, you get rid of CC's contract, we have a lot of money that frees up. And you can fill in the bottom, like, third pairing, just like that. I think Muzzin's contract is also off the books. I think that's who they have to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to go find a defenseman. And people keep saying Alex Petrangelo. I don't think that happens. I don't think, like, yeah, There's right? No like, who are you giving up and what are you losing? Because, like, for me, like I said, I don't think Morgan Riley's our number one defenseman. Well, I think, I think they should try to... They should try to trade Barry at the deadline then. They could get a lot for him because he's getting paid nothing right now. Yeah, because Colorado took back half his salary. Yeah, exactly. And his salary is still like way less than he's worth, even taking that into account for this season. Yeah, but like the question becomes A, who takes him? B, what do you get in return? Yeah. Well, like, like. And you also miss out on a good offensive defenseman who could help you out in the playoffs yeah. too. Like he can catch fire in the playoffs and just going. Well, run. like Colorado, he's had some really strong playoff runs too. And yeah, if you're like, like let's say you're not getting like a cadre level player, but like something a bit lower than that, like that's like if you're getting like a solid like, like would you trade him at the deadline for a solid third line or for a solid second pairing defenseman that's like more defensive minded? Yeah, well, so uh, it for me that depends on whether Justin Hall can like. It depends what you say our number one pairing is. In my mind, I see Muzzin and Hall as our number one pairing right now. So and then Riley if, Berry. Yeah, and then okay. Dermot CC. So the question becomes: Can you get something for Barry that stabilizes that pairing? Right, because like the yeah. other thing is we also have. 
like we have um oh what are our two D prospects names? Lilgren and yeah, right? Like Sandy, I think is gonna be beautiful Sandine. when he comes up. I like I think he was already at that level. I think Mike, Mike Babcock's a moron. Like I definitely would bury Cody CC right now and have Sandine playing in his place. Um, but for some reason, Kyle Dubas loves Cody CC, and I don't get it. He strokes him every chance he gets, and I don't understand why. Yeah. But even Barry, like, there's times where he's in the offensive zone and he just flips it off the boards, and you're like, for a player of your caliber, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. I think the most sad thing is I'm gonna say it is I miss Ron Hainsey. God damn. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, I, I think a guy like Hazy or Chris Russell would look really good with the Leafs. Too. I don't I like Chris Russell. Yeah, I mean, those, those top threes. Yeah, I, I don't understand why you don't like Chris Russell. You're yeah, one of those I don't guys. like if Chris you, Russell either. If, okay. you lead, if, you're, if you're leading the league every year in block yes. shots, that means that you're always in your own zone. Yeah. Or you're, like... But I think at the same time, that's really good. I feel like that's a... I think that's amazing uh, that you're putting your but body thing, on the you line. You could take a, like a sh- putting yourself out there. You take a shot in the wrong place and you're yeah. done. Like I'd rather be. Man, he's been doing it for a living. He's and, he, and he's and you know what? I think what's underrated about him like, is is his ability to move the puck. He actually played on the World Junior <laughs> team in like a bunch of years ago with Sam Gagne. Played well there. Cody Hodgson played well in the World Junior. Yeah, man. I'm just saying that he has an underrated ability to move the puck, and I think it's I, I watch it all the time, and he makes some really nice passes, um, exiting the de- defensive zone, and makes some good stretch passes too. Um, I, I don't get why people harp on him so much, I, and I, I think he'd bring back some trade. I, I could see him being one of those guys who's like value gets know, inflated at the trade that. deadline, and yeah, I, I think for me like. Uh... Yeah, I just don't know what. what, what uh, see, like for me, for like him, I, I like to see a guy like Nick Dalmerson come over, won a couple of cups, or like a Johnny Oduya. I don't think that's happening, Dalmerson. No, hell no. Like I, they would never yeah. give him up over there. But like yeah. a guy like that, won a couple of cups, can play second or third, um, just kind of settle things down. Like another Muzzin kind of guy too would be great. Like someone who brings a little bit more physicality back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Muzzin's been running people over. You see some feistiness out of Dermot. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see someone else join that that back end. Yeah, like Alec Martinez? Is he going to come back ever? Oh, maybe. Oh, that'd be interesting. Right? Like, I, I think someone off that LA roster would yeah. be real beautiful. But I guess time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's wrap it up with that. I think that we've uh, kind of going on a little bit longer than usual but that's all good we've got some exciting content coming up so uh just uh for our listeners out there stay tuned uh next week we'll be having zum kareem join us uh for a quick interview and to hear what his background is like in media and what his take on the canucks are like so far so yeah with that uh we bid you farewell and all right thanks for listening thanks for listening yeah i'm that.